This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Last week I started started a message, how to live your best life. Last week we said, if you're going to live your best life, it's going to take two things. I got through one of them last week, and that is going to take purpose. You're going to have to pursue God's purpose. If you're going to pursue the purpose of God, you've got to know God's purpose. We looked at this last week, and my wife warned me today, don't get bogged down. Don't get bogged down in the first part of the message, because she knows that this is my favorite thing that talk about, and that is to know the purposes of God and to walk in the purposes. Just as a quick review uh, to uh, follow my wife's instructions, I'm not going to camp here, but let me just tell you, if you're going to live your best life, you've got to know the purpose of God. To know the purpose of God takes a few important things. It brings pleasure to God. It, It brings joy to the heart of God, and it enables you to live your best life. The first is that you've got to know and love God. Say that with me. To know and love God. We read to you last week a scripture in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. It is Christ that we find out. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Can I hear an amen in the house? He had his eye on us, and that which he had designed on us for glorious living. God's desire, if you're going to pursue the will of God, is you've got to know him, and you've got to learn to love him. To know him and love him. We've been telling you about an encounter weekend. An encounter weekend is an opportunity for you just to get back into agreement, back into alignment, that you can get to know God in a deeper and a more intimate way. I want to invite Pastor Candy to come up. She's going to share a testimony of one that went on an encounter weekend and how God transformed her height, her life, her heart. And I believe God wants to do the same for many, 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 many that are here today. Pastor Candy. And say this, that when we take time with God, the Lord meets us where we're at. Amen. He does minister to our heart and our soul. And I got a call from Sasha Lee about a month and a half ago. (laughs) And uh, I thought I was going to be on the phone. We were going to have a counseling talk session, how she doing in life and everything. (laughs) She got on the phone to only bless Pastor Candy by telling me what God was doing with her. And I was just amazed that through this year, it has been a year that has just touched her life in such a miraculous way because of the perspective and the journey that God desired to bring her on. And I just want her to share. Can you share me first about just your moment and your time when you decided to say, I'm going to take time away with God? (laughs) Hello, everyone. Well, Pastor Candy, it was pretty hard because I was going through a lot and I had four kids and I was a single mom. Uh, God sent for me. I was kicking and screaming because I was stubborn. So I came up with all different types of excuses why I can't leave my kids. 
but I decided to let go. You know, in one point in time, I decided to let go and I'm going to let God because I felt like he had something for me. So I decided to let go and I called up Danielle. And even in the midst of talking to her, uh, I changed my mind. <laughs> kicking and screaming. She prayed for me and I decided, okay, I'm all in. During the encounter experience, I was still pretty, you know, hung up on the baggages, you know, that weighed me down over the years. Didn't want to let go. It felt comfortable in a sense, but God wanted to lift me up, you know, spiritually and physically. I was holding on to the things, you know, the fleshly things. So he stripped me one by one, baggage by baggage, during the encounter experience. And it was just an awesome, awesome feeling. Prior to the encounter, I needed a home for me and the kids. I couldn't come up with first, last, and deposit. God said, go, buy. I said, I can't buy if I can't rent. I failed nursing school twice. Then when he sent for me and I let go during the encounter, take time with God. Yes. He takes care of your business. Yes, yes, because he wanted to pull me to the water, but he said it's up to you to drink. And I decided to drink when I went to the encounter. I passed nursing school. I With four kids, when people say to me, you're not, you can't do it, four kids, and buy a house, you're crazy, in nursing school? I bought that house. I bought that house, and it's not only about the house and passing nursing school. God tore me down at the encounter just to fill me up. He tore me down at the encounter just to fill me up. I didn't have a job at that point. He sent me on an assignment for healing for a lady whose oxygen level was like nearly 70. And um, I laid my hands on her. I pray. I didn't want to do it at first. I said, God. And then I let go again. It's not about you. It's about me, child. And I said, okay. And I laid my hand, she wasn't walking, and I laid my hands on her. She started walking, and her oxygen level went up. And not only that, but she was on hospice, and they decided to take her off, because no more. So, it started to overflow, not only on me, but on my children's life. Had I not been faithful, and if I'd gone just trying to do everything by myself, and not letting go, and letting him in to do the work for me, that lady would not have been healed. You know, it's just about obedience. Let go. It's, it was enough for me to try to take everything in my control and doing everything by myself. I let go and I let him in and I have no regrets, none whatsoever. Praise God. I just want to say something, Sasha Lee. One of the things that I see is 
When God takes over, he takes over in every aspect of your life. Amen. As you obey him, he does what he needs to do. And sometimes we need to take time off. We need to take time away to be allow God to be able to do what he needs to do in us. And an encounter begins that process because it shuts the world out. It gets your heart aligned so that you can trust what God wants to do in and through you. And I get to say today that Sasha Lee has started her own life group. She's been ministering to women. God's been using her. She called yes, me and said, what am I supposed to do with this? And I said, praise <laughs> God. I'm not, it's yes. been not in COVID if I had anybody come to may say, what am I supposed to do? Yes. I've people's lives. God is using my life and I'm allowing God and I'm so excited. And now I said, yeah, we're going to get you going. We're going to allow God to continue to let yes. that river flow. Yes. I encourage you, let God do what he wants to do within you this year at this time. Praise God, Sasha Lee. Amen. Lord, I pray that you will use and multiply her life. Yes, Spiritually, Lord. let her hands, Lord Jesus, be your hands extended. And yes, may Jesus. we see great fruit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus Amen. Name. Amen. 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 Come Thank on, you. give the Lord praise. So the first purpose in knowing what God desires is to know him and to love him. The second thing that we talked about is you've got to learn to love others. Say that with me. Learn to love others. We are the family of God. Can I hear an amen? God never desired that you and I would walk alone. In fact, we read to you 2 Peter 2 and verse 17 where Peter gives the command, love your spiritual family. And the reality is, is we've got to strive to love one another. Doesn't matter what ethnicity, doesn't matter what our background, our economic uh, situations may be. I mean, when we love one another, we demonstrate to the world that we are his disciples. So turn to someone around you and say, I love you, not just your spouse, somebody else. I love you because you're my brother, you're my sister. We are the family of God. Be sure to tell your spouse you love them too. But we are the family of God. So we challenged you. If you're not in a life group, you need to get into a life group. You need to be a part of them. Many of them are meeting virtually right now. Some are meeting outside in parks and stuff. But all you got to do right there, giving you information on how you can be in a life group. The third thing that we said, if you're going to know the purposes of God, is that you've got to become more like Christ. If you're going to do what God desires and be what God wants you to be, you're going to have to become like Christ. The scripture says in Romans 8, 29, that from the very beginning, God declared that those who would come to him should be like his what? His son. God's desire is that you become a reflection of the glory of God, that you take on the character of Christ, the nature of Christ in your life. We've been talking to you about a, 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 a journey for those of you that want to build a stability in your life, that want to begin to grow and get to know who God is, why God has done what he's done, and, and characteristics of who he is. We're going to be starting next Monday, not tomorrow, but a Monday from now. We're going to be starting what we're calling fundamentals of the faith. We're going to be looking at what do we believe? Why do we believe it? So that you can share.
share it with others. You get into a situation and you know that what you're hearing is not right. You know what they're saying is not accurate, but you don't quite know what to say. Well, in the next several weeks in the fundamentals of the faith journey, we're going to help you build that foundation and help you begin to grow. Man, I'm so excited. There's over 250 that have already signed up for the fundamentals of the faith. And so, man, I'm excited for uh, for the journey. It's going to be a virtual journey. I will be teaching it. Some others will be teaching along with me. It's not too late. You can be a part of it. It starts not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow on Monday night. All you got to do is text the word reset to that number right there, and you can be a part of the journey with us, and we'll connect with you. The fourth thing we said, to know the purposes of God and to fulfill God's purpose and plan for your life, you've got to also learn to serve God by serving others. Say it with me. Serve God by serving others. God designed you, divinely created you, shaped you to serve him. Your greatest joy in life The anointing of God flows through your life when you serve him, and the only way that you can serve God is by serving the body of Christ, serving others. When you serve others, you're serving him. And so it's vital for you and I to walk our best life, to live our best life. It's vital for you and I to learn what are the gifts and and how has God shaped me and created me so that I can release the anointing that God is pouring through me to bring ministry to others. I know that we're in COVID. I know that serving is a little bit different, but if you're watching virtually and you're not in the building, you're not coming physically, can I tell you, you can still serve the Lord right where you're at, right there virtually. We've got ways that we want to engage you. If you're coming personally, you've got to find that place that God has for you. The fifth thing, just taking my wife's advice, I don't want to camp here, I'll preach this sermon again, but the fifth thing, if we're going to know the will of God, the purposes of God, and fulfill it and live our best life, it's going to require you and I to be messengers of hope. Say it with me, that we will be messengers of hope, that we will take a message of hope everywhere, say it louder, everywhere to everyone, everywhere and to everyone. Jesus said that as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. John 17, 18, I'm sending you. Sending you with what? The message of hope. And now I want to share with you, if you're going to live your best life, secondly, you've got to walk with persistence. If you're going to live your best life, you've got to be persistent in pursuing God's purpose for your life. Maybe you've heard of the... um, the military leader, Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, when you read and and study history and about his life, Winston Churchill took three years to go through the eighth grade because he couldn't read and write English very well. So if you've taken a couple years to go through a grade, there's hope for all of us, right? I almost didn't make it through some grades. Anybody want to identify with me? Well, I, I got a lot of smart people here, and you already know that. But uh, uh, 
Winston Churchill took three years to go through the eighth grade. And if you study his life and history, you can know that he was one of the great military leaders of our, uh, of, of, of our time and our world in World War II. Uh, he stood up and he gave this speech to the British uh, army that would lead them out to fight and help them overcome incredible odds. In fact, the, the speech wasn't very much. It was six words. Uh, uh, never quit. Never give up. Never give up. I mean, it was a it was a, uh, a, a a speech that just riveted into the heart. But what it did was it created within them a spirit that says, "I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to persevere." And today, I want to talk to you for a few moments about a theology of suffering. I want to talk to you about a song we just sang a few minutes ago, and that is that God is working when we don't see it. He's working when I don't feel it. He's working. Can I hear an amen in the house? He's working when I don't understand it. He's working in the midst of my life when nothing around me is making sense. God is working. I want you to turn to someone and say, God's working on your behalf. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. It may not be in your outline, but Romans chapter 5. I want to read verses 1 through 5 uh, uh, to you. A theology of suffering, persistence as you pursue the will and the plans of God. I guarantee you, if you're going to live your best life, it's going to require persistence in your life. Paul says this, therefore, say therefore. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. That peace comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom, that's Christ, we have gained access by faith into this grace. Grace is released into our life when we repent of our sin. When we confess the Lord as our Lord and our Savior in faith, we say, Lord Jesus, I've messed up. Lord Jesus, there's sin in my life, and the sin in my life has separated me from the love of God and, and the love of the Father. My relationship with God has been broken because of my sin. But by faith, I believe, Lord Jesus, that you gave your life for me. Can someone just say amen in the house? That you gave your life. And men, you gave your life for me. You made a way for me to have peace with God the Father. And so in faith, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to remove the sin from my life. And when we do that, when we pray that prayer, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God is released into my life. It comes at the moment of confession to him. So we gain access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in his what? In his suffering. We don't only rejoice in the mercy of God and in the glory of God, but we rejoice in our suffering because we know. See, it's important what you know. That's why I want to encourage you. If your faith is up and down and up and down, you don't have a stability in your faith, you need to join that fundamentals of the faith class with me because what you know is important. 
And you and I in these last days are going to have to be able to stand on what we know, what we believe, what we understand, what we've seen God do before. And there's something within us, a faith and a hope within us that says, God, you've done it for others. You did it for Ashton. You did it, Father, for others. And I'm believing, God, that you can do it for me. As Pastor Tim said, God, I'm reaching out to you, believing that miracles are going to be released. I'm seeing it with others, and I'm rejoicing, but I know that you're a miracle-working God. That's what he says. This is what we know, that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. Let me read another scripture to you. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29. Paul writing again, Philippians 1 verse 29, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ that not only do you believe on him, So Paul is saying, listen, it's not enough just to believe on him and just to know him, but that you also suffer for him. Now, I know that this isn't a shouting moment, but I want you to see today that we identify with Christ, and when we identify with Christ, there's something that comes into our spirit that helps us to have a hope as we persevere and we're persistent as we're suffering with him. He is glorified. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw that I had, now hear that I still have it, but I rejoice in the Lord. Can I hear an amen? One more verse, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised. Surprised at the painful trial, the tribulations, the times of suffering that you are having, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Suffering is that there is a dis- there's a distress, there's a pressure that's being pushed on you. And yet the authors of scripture say to you and I that we've got to rejoice in suffering. That rejoicing and suffering is not an, an artificial happiness. Oh, this is happening. All these things are going on. I'm dealing with this illness. I'm dealing with this financial situation. I don't even know how I'm going to pay the rent. And the next thing you know, you're buying a house. That's what I'm talking about, where when you stand in who you are in Christ and you watch God move, it's not an artificial happiness. But there's a joy that comes deep within. It's not that I enjoy my suffering. I haven't enjoyed COVID. You haven't enjoyed it. I haven't enjoyed watching the pain and the trials and the situations that are going on. And yet there's something in me. It's called a hope, a hope in the glory of God that says, God, you're going to see me through it. And more, I identify with you in times of suffering. So persistence as you pursue 
God's purpose. I'm believing that today over the next few moments that God is going to release that into you and you will get the essence and the understanding of how you can live your best life. Say my best life, my best life as I stand in the presence of God, as I stand in the glory of the Lord. Father, right now, one more time, I'm just praying that over us. I'm praying, God, one more time that, God, you're going to bring a revelation to our hearts. And I want you to reach out and I want you to receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. What am I going to talk about for the next few moments? You guys hang still with me for a minute. I'm bringing you back in. I'm going to uh, use you in just a second. I want you, to, want you to lock in for the next few moments. This, this, this idea of a sustaining grace of God, that your faith has, has the strength to endure. Say, endure. That you will endure whatever suffering, whatever trial, whatever situations will come your way. For those that don't have a good theology of suffering, when trials come and tribulation come and difficulties come, they get to a place where they begin to question, why God? What are you doing? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? How could this happen to me? And sometimes even the, the immaturity of our faith will lead us to a place that said, but God, I was tithing. But God, I was fasting. But God, I was faithful in church. And in our immaturity of faith, we begin to question, is there a God? Is God really here? Is he somebody that really cares? And in those moments, the enemy will come as the whisperer into your ears and into your life, and he'll try to get you to a place where he can set up a stronghold. He can come against the wisdom and the word and the knowledge of God and get you to doubt God and the ways of God and the plans of God. If you don't understand what God does in the trial, in the suffering, in those times when difficulties are coming, then you will find yourself standing in weakness when the enemy begins to attack you. You see, the reality is we all have moments where we can feel like giving up. Moments when we can say, is it worth it? Where the enemy is barraging our mind and, and coming at us. In fact, look at the scripture in Colossians chapter one and verse eight. Colossians chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians, excuse me, chapter one and verse eight. Read it with me aloud, if you will. Is it on the screen? Read it with me. Ready? He will what? He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. Keep that scripture there for a moment. Pop it back up for me. He will keep you strong to the end that there is an assurance within your heart. An assurance of what, pastor? An assurance that he is holding you. He is sustaining you. No matter what pressure or difficulty is pushing you down, there is a, there is a strength that enables you to endure and to persevere and to be persistent so that God can complete his work that he's planning for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's holding you. He's uplifting you. He is going to be with you. Can I hear an amen? In Philippians chapter one and verse six, read it with me on the screen. God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished. 
You see, God wants us to understand the work of our salvation is a work that saves us from our sin, but it doesn't remove the trials and the tribulation and the times of suffering. But God's word is reminding you and I that I am with you. I'm going to mature you. I'm going to grow you. I'm going to give you a hope as you persevere and your persistence. We sang the song earlier, and I just want to emphasize it for you and I. If we're going to live our best life, it's going to require us to know the purposes of God and to pursue those purposes, but it will require persistence. Serving the Lord for many, many years, those that are here can testify to it. There is a persistence that keeps you going, that you'll never quit. Even when you're tempted to give up, you keep persevering and keep persisting and keep moving forward. And if you're taking notes, write this down. The first thought I want you to see is you've got to have a persistence when you don't see what God is doing. We sang earlier, he's still working when I don't see it. When I don't understand it, when he's when he when when I'm when I'm in the middle of these moments where it's confusion, uh, confusion and pain and suffering and tribulation, God is still working. Look at this scripture in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter eleven. Hebrews chapter eleven and verse one. Faith is the what? The confidence that what we have hope for will actually happen. Someone just say amen right there. It's a confidence. It's an assurance. There is something that gets into my spirit that gives me hope and faith and peace that that which I'm hoping for, the the dreams, the revelations, the prophetic declarations, that which God has laid in my heart, there's something that gets anchored into my spirit that gives me a confidence that God, it's going to come to pass because it's of the spirit. And he goes on to say, gives us assurance about the things that we can not see. I'm believing that in 2021, that God, you're going to help us. If you were with us Friday night in our nights ablaze, it was a word, I believe, that God was speaking over the house, that God, you're going to help us shake off. We're going to shake loose. We're going to get rid of the emotions that have been weighing us down and the problems that we've been focusing on and the worry and the fear that's been gripping us and strangling us, and we're going to shake it off, God, and something's going to rise in our spirit, and we're going to begin to see with eyes of faith We're going to begin to proclaim it. Prophetic declarations that are being made over our life and over our church and over our city, God, is going to come to pass. Come on, give him praise. No, I don't see it yet. It's not in the natural, but I see it in the spirit. I see, God, in the spirit what you're saying about my life. See in the spirit what he's saying about your marriage. See in the spirit what he's saying about your children. See in the spirit what he's saying about your health, about your finances, about your career. Begin to see in the spirit about the ministry of what God wants to do in and through you. And let a persistence rise up within you that says, God, I believe it even though I don't see it. Some say seeing is believing, but God, I'm believing before I see it because you've anchored it into my spirit. First Peter, look in your outline there, First Peter. First Peter chapter five, verse 11. My purpose in writing 
is to encourage you and assure you that the grace of God, the sustaining grace of God is with you no matter what happens. So my challenge for you, right where you're at, my challenge is that you'll begin to say, God, give me persistence. Give me that patient endurance, God. Give me that strength, God, that helps me to endure, helps me to hold up under the weight that might crush others, but it's not gonna crush me. I might bend down, but my bending down is to bow to you, God, because I know you're gonna give me a strength that stands me back up. It's a persistence. It's a persistence. If you take a note, write it down. It's a persistence when I don't understand what God is doing. When I walk through suffering and trials and tribulation, can I tell you, it's a time for you and I to begin to stop and have a, a self-examination. It's a time to begin to reflect in our own heart, begin to look into our own life and say, God, what are you saying? What are you desiring to do? Not that I question your ways or question if you're real or if you're with me, but God, I'm examining right now because I don't understand, but God, I wanna have the mind of understanding that comes through the spirits. An understanding that produces a, a patient endurance, a, the, the, an understanding that produces a, the character of Christ within me, and ultimately the hope of glory of what God you're going to do. I think of the life of Abraham. Abraham at 75 years old, the Lord asks him to, to leave all of his security. I mean, at 75 for us today, we're ready for retirement. Can I hear an amen from some in the house? You're, you're ready for a retirement. And now God is asking you to do something and, and, and you can't conceive it. You don't understand it. And for you and I, we try to get God into a box. We try to, we try to understand it in the logic, in the natural, in the, in what makes Makes sense, And sometimes God is moving when we don't even understand that he's moving. And it requires a faith that says, God, I want to stand in the assurance and the confidence of who you are. So here he is, 75 years old. God doesn't give him any details, tells him he's going to leave behind everything that he's become accustomed to and aware of and, and the security of his life. And he's sending him to another place. Where are we going, Abraham says. And, and it's just, I've never heard of it. And God says, I'm gonna show you when you get there. You don't even know where you're going. You haven't stepped there yet, but I'm taking you there and I want you to trust me. God, how long is it going to take? When is it going to happen? For many of us, that's what we're saying. God, I'm willing to surrender it, but I want to see it the next day. Anybody in the house know what I'm talking about? So how long is it going to take? Well, you'll find out when you arrive. I'll tell you when you get there. How long is it going to take to get there? I'll let you know when you arrive. I mean, he has very little details, and yet he continued to pursue God, and in every step, he follows the Lord, and as he's following the Lord, God gives him a peace and shows him that God was establishing something through him, and it came out of the obedience of Abraham. So my life and my prayer for me and for our church at the end of 21 days 
of prayer and fasting, whatever that's looked like for you and nights ablaze. My prayer has been for me and for us is that God, that we are yielding, that we are surrendering, that God, we're coming into agreement and into alignment and that God within each and every one of us that call Christian Life Center their home church, that God, we will begin to walk the life of obedience and the life of righteousness and we'll begin to walk in your ways with a faith and a trust, oh God, not in what we see, but in what we've seen in the spirit. We haven't seen it yet in the natural, but our spirits have received it. So I want you to lift your hand across this room and I just want you to say, Father, let that be in my life. As we come out of these 21 days, I pray, God, that you will bring me into alignment, into agreement, that, God, you will help me to begin to walk according to the purposes that you have for my life, that the abundant life will be released, oh God, that my eyes are on you and eternity, God. Obedience will be the fruit of my life and a walk of righteousness, God, will be the persistence of my life. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Look at this verse, Hebrews 12 and verse one, therefore, say therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd, a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, those that have gone before us that are there cheering us on is the, the image. They're in the Colosseum of Rome and, and, and it's an image that they're cheering on you and I in our race. It's an individual race and it's a corporate race. We run together and yet there's marked out for us the trials, the times of suffering, the, the, the battles, the spiritual warfare that we've got to fight, and it's our race, but we're running it with perseverance and endurance and persistence. And he says, run your race. But as you run your race, strip off every weight that slows you down. The imagery is an Olympic runner that's running in the Olympics but they're running with all of the extra clothes and the robe and, and, and they have the wrong garments on to run their race. Wouldn't it look ridiculous if we're watching the Olympics and all of the runners line up and then who's fast in here? Pastor Kevin. <laughs> Pastor Kevin lines up representing Haiti. But as he lines up, he lines up with his suit and his jeans and his shoes, uh, his church shoes, his dancing church shoes on. All of the Haitians would begin to go, no, what is he doing? Now I'm not picking on Haiti, but you get the image, you write the imagery. Paul's saying, you gotta strip off. There's a race to be run and you've got to run that race with an assurance and with a confidence and you've got to strip off the weight that's weighing you down. Now this is what I know in this room and those that are watching virtually. There are weights in every one of our lives. Don't sit there with a religious pious that, that says I don't have any weights. We have weights. It's things of this world. It's the cares of this world. It's the things of this world. It's the values of this world. It's other people's voices and plans and, and desires. And they weight us down from running the race that God has for us. 
So Paul says, strip it off. Remove that weight. Why? Because you've got to be focused on the race that's marked out for you, on the call that he has for you. Focus on that and get ready because I want to do something through you. And you've got to strip off that weight because it slows you down. But he says, you've got to also, as you run your race, you've got to especially strip off, shake off, remove the what? You see, sometimes the weights of this world are not sins. Sometimes they're not things that violate the word of God, but they weigh you down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There, there, there are things that hinder you from running your race. Is there anything wrong for Pastor Kevin lining up in a suit and the church shoes to run his race? No, there's nothing wrong with it. But you're not going to run the way God has desired for you to run. You're not going to run that kind of race to win the race if you're, not, if you're not in the right posture. But then he says, there's sin. And the sin easily entangles you. And as it entangles you, it trips you up. For some, there's some habits that's got to be broken. Tonight, the last night of Nights Ablaze, I pray that those habits, those addictions, those beseeching sins, those things that you just can't shake from your life, it seems like every time you turn around, it's right there again. I'm praying that tonight, that which has been entangling you will be broken and cut and stripped away in Jesus' name so that we can run our race with endurance. It's the race that God has set before us. So when I don't understand, Father, I don't understand. I'm open, I'm honest. I'm saying, God, help me to, to understand. I'm gonna trust in you, Proverbs 3. I'm gonna trust in you with all of my heart. I'm not gonna lean on my own understanding. Teach me, God, as I'm in, as I'm in your will, as I'm in your purpose, oh God. Teach me to have a faith and a trust in you when my faith is wavering, when the doubts are coming. God, I'm praying that you'll help me to obey you and stand for you and represent you no matter what happens, God. My faith is a faith that stands with you for the glory of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. A persistence. A persistence when I don't feel what God is doing. So many times we're in the waiting room of life and as we're in the waiting room of life, we're, we're, we, we feel like it, it's just life is passing by as you've sat in a doctor's office or a waiting room and, and you sit there and you sit there and you're waiting and you're waiting, we can get impatient and we can get frustrated, we can get annoyed. And yet so many times in our spiritual life, God has us in the waiting room of life. And, and as we're sitting there, we don't feel it, we don't see it, we don't understand it. We're asking God what's happening and if we're not careful, we can abort the very thing that God wants to do because we've gotten impatient. What I've learned in the waiting room of life is I've got to be careful. I've got to guard my heart in those times when I don't feel and see and understand what God is doing. And I'm in those times of, of just waiting. I've got to guard because the enemy is going to come. He's going to, uh, he, he's going to slither his way in. And in those waiting seasons, I've got to be on more, more guard in my spiritual life or I'm going to find myself giving in to the temptations of the enemy. 
So in the waiting room of life, I want to encourage you. Say, God, guard my heart. Help me to purify my life, God. And in those moments, let commitment rise up. Let worship fill you. That which you've been doing as you make commitments in the worshiping services and through sermons and and times of yielding to God, let that become the strength that says, God, I'm going to be the man you want me to be, the man of God. I'm going to be the woman of God. I'm going to be the the one that has a faith that, that pleases you no matter what. That, God, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to make the commitment that, God, I'm determined that no matter what, I'm following you. Can I hear an amen? I want you to stand with me across this room as I come towards the end, and you guys can just begin to play in the background. You see, there is a persistence that comes. Theology of suffering is a time that God is purifying a time where I don't understand what God is doing when I'm in the waiting rooms of life, when I want to get out as fast as I can, I'm impatient. There's got to be something that rises up within me that enables me to continue to persevere. One of the greatest scriptures that encourages me in times of difficulty is found in Hebrews eleven twenty-seven. 27. It says, the heroes of the faith, and he begins to talk about Moses He says it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. And he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. See, the key to persistence is we've got to see the one that's invisible. The key to persistence is to say, God, open my spiritual eyes. Open my heart, oh God. Help me, oh God, to be persistent no matter what I face until you answer, until you move, until you begin to release, until it's broken. God, give me strength within to know that I'm not alone. Can I hear an amen? See, the reality is silence is not synonymous with absence. Just because he's silent doesn't mean that he is absent. God, I'm going to honor you with with an authentic persistence. I'm going to learn to lean in, God, and hear what you're saying and what you're doing, and I'm not going to get impatient, oh God, because I know that you're working. When I don't even see it, I know that you're working. What I love about times of prayer and fasting, what I love about nights ablaze in my own life is it gives me a strength. It increases a a hatred for evil. It it increases a longing and a desire to, to be with him, to trust him, to lean into him. And when I have a proper theology of suffering, that no matter what is happening, I can stand with with an assurance that it's not going to steal my joy. See, what I love about nights ablaze in times like this is my joy is being filled up. A garment of praise is coming on me, and a spirit of heaviness is being broken. See, anybody can praise him when things are going good, but real faith, 
is faith that's in the storm. Real faith is in the trial, in times of suffering. That's when real faith begins to rise up. That's when your faith has got to get to the bare roots of what's within you that holds you through the trial. So I want you to lift your hands across this room, across this room, oh God, and I just want you to begin to say, God, help me to worship you and praise you. Praise you in the storm. Praise you in the trial. Praise you, oh God, through that which is, seems impossible. God, I pray that, God, I will have a faith that is immovable. It's unshakable. That I will have a faith, God, that stands against and resists the enemy when he comes to discourage, when he tries to distract, when he's trying to detour me. God, let there be something that rises up within me that wars in the spirits. Spiritual warfare that begins to rise up. I want to encourage you in our final moments that when the enemy begins to come against you and when you're going through a time of suffering and and you're walking through pain and and situations and trials and, and you're persisting through it, I want to read a couple of scriptures to you that will encourage you. To encourage you, James chapter 3, because you got to be careful. You got to be careful that you respond in the right way. I can't find my, my scripture there. I'm going to read it on the screen. James 3. Take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, that's storms, that's trials, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. I want to encourage you that when you're in seasons of trial, seasons of waiting, seasons of difficulty, seasons of suffering, you avoid unnecessary adversity by guarding your tongue. Don't let cursing come out. Don't let criticism come out. Don't let complaining come out. Don't let ingratitude come out. Don't let blaming, don't let all of these things come out of your mouth. But as a child of God, you guard your tongue. As a child of God, you praise him and you glorify him. That the happenstances of my life may not be what I want them to be, but God, it's not going to steal the joy of my lips garment of praise is going to rise up. One last scripture, Psalm 34, verse 12. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good things, keep your tongue from evil 
and your lips from speaking lies. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.